Welcome to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, your host, and if you've arrived here, there must be a reason. I'm guessing you're curious to learn more about improving your wellbeing alongside ADHD, or maybe looking for some advice or guidance to feel healthier and calmer. So, why start this podcast? I'm a wellbeing and lifestyle coach, EFT practitioner, mum to four kids, and I discovered my own ADHD alongside one of my daughters at the age of 40. And now, after supporting many other women just like me and probably you, I feel there's a need for more emphasis on well-being and lifestyle help for women with ADHD. And through the podcast, I want to offer you new insights and perspectives to enable you to live your most fulfilled, calm and balanced life. So wherever you are on your ADHD journey, my aim is to support you in finding the awareness and the most aligned tools to enhance your well-being so you can make the most intentional mindset and lifestyle choices moving forwards. Ready to get started? Here's the episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I am Kate Moore Youssef, your host. And today I have a registered holistic nutritionist and her name is Shauna Hughes and she's based in the west of Toronto. And she typically works with parents of kids with ADHD, but she also works with lots of parents who have got ADHD themselves. She is a mum to two young girls and one of them actually has mild ADD. And she knows anxiety very well because Sean has struggled with it since childhood and has suspected inattentive ADHD. So <laughs> welcome to the, the tribe. And she really does know, she really does know firsthand how diet can impact ADHD and anxiety because she's seen it in herself and also her child. And she now figures out the best diet and lifestyle strategies that work best for her clients. And she's dedicated to helping those parents so they can be taught and empowered through nutrition and lifestyle coaching. So Shauna, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I know that myself, but also lots of um, the listeners have probably got lots of questions (laughs) because I am a member of lots of brilliant groups, Facebook groups, Mm -hmm. and there's lots of talk about diet and lifestyle and supplements to help our ADHD, whether we we choose to be medicated or not. And I think this is a really big conversation because it gives lots of us choice and it gives us lots of empowerment to change things and to know that through diet and lifestyle and supplements, we don't have to be controlled by our ADHD. It's not going to solve it. It's not going to completely take it away, but it definitely helps us um, thrive a bit more, I think, alongside the ADHD. Is that what you tend to work with, with your clients? Is that how you help them? Yeah, yeah. I like how you put that about how it gives them some control and some power, because it's true. We do, as parents these days, we tend to just kind of leave it up to doctors and teachers and everything else to kind of be in control of us and our kids. But yeah, definitely diet is something that we're in control of to a certain extent if we don't have any big allergies or anything. And yeah, we can definitely use that as a tool and it can optimize how things are going. So for example, like you said, it can eliminate ADHD, but it can minimize symptoms a lot of the time. So whereas some people, they might be able to function just using diet and supplements without medication. Sometimes people can reduce their medication or sometimes people are still medicated, but the diet makes them feel better and it makes the medication work better. 
also just wanted to point out too, if I'm working with people who are medicated or children who are medicated, um, those side effects of the medication can also cause issues as well. So we can work with diet to, you know, help them maintain weight because a lot of the time there's no appetite, right, with the, with the stimulant medications and um, address the other side effects there, which will also optimize how well those medications will work. So, mm, yeah, that's really interesting because I wonder um, if when you're titrated by, you know, the psychiatrist and the nurse, do they go into all of the conversation about what food is going to have an impact on the medication or, the, or, you know, help you with the medication? Because so I feel like very much once, and I, I say that, I feel like it and I see it, that many people are diagnosed, they're given the medication if they choose to take it, and it's kind of like you're left to fend for yourself yeah. <laughs> and, and you're just wading around trying things. And that's why people are on Facebook groups and listen to these you know, podcasts because we're desperately looking for um, solutions to help ourselves. But it's because of the way the system is at the moment that, you know, they're so overloaded with such little resources. We aren't given this extra information that could potentially have a massive impact on our lives. So let's go to the medicated side first. Mm-hmm. What do you see with people who make that choice and they, they go on the medication? What are the side effects that you see um, and, and what kind of diet and lifestyle choices can they make to help them on this process? The number one thing, 95% of the time, if people are having issues with medication side effects, it's loss of appetite, especially concerning with children because they're growing. So we want them to be eating sufficient calories, but as well with women, you know, you'll see them, you know, someone will come to me and say, yeah, I went on medication six months ago and I've lost 30 pounds because I have no appetite ever. Or alternatively, they're having no appetite. Maybe they take medication during the day to get through the workday. They come home, it wears off and they're binging and they're, they haven't prepared for the binge. So they're just eating whatever's in sight, right? There's no healthy option there. Um, And a lot of the time that will impact sleep as well. The stimulants themselves can impact sleep quality if you're taking them later in the day as well. But also like that binging on a lot of food at night, you know, close to bedtime, it can impact sleep quality as well, which is going to impact ADHD adversely as well. So it's kind of like a cycle. It kind of like the medication is helping on one side and then it's causing, you know, potential nutrient deficiencies that your brain needs on the other side. And potentially sleep issues that also your brain needs. Um, So trying to balance things out so that the medication can do its job, but it's not causing all of these terrible side effects. So a lot of the time with that particular issue of not eating during the day while you're on the medication, we have to look at the person, like what are the things that are most palatable to them when they're on that medication. So a lot of the times you'll see with people like they really can't tolerate a certain texture or a certain temperature of food when they're on, uh, you know, something like Ritalin or Adderall. I think you have different names for them in the UK, but yeah, similar. Okay. (laughs) So they'll say like, I really couldn't, a lot of the time I'll hear people say, I can't stand anything like thick, creamy, like yogurt is repulsive and pudding and things like that. They can't take that but they'll eat kind of crunchy things. You know, they'll kind of eat a few crackers at lunch or they'll eat some chips or something like that. So what I try and do is I try and work with that and say, okay, so you kind of are eating salty, crunchy things. Maybe we can add some 
nuts, like salted nuts into the mix, some trail mix or something like that, which is crunchy, which is salty, which is more palatable to you when you're there in that medicated state. But it's also going to provide you with like protein, which you're going to need to keep your blood sugar balanced. So you're not on highs and lows all day long and that you just need for, for brain function, for your neurotransmitters to be made. And then another thing is with routine. So I also do like, it's mainly nutrition stuff, but I do cover some things. I kind of have to do some lifestyle management techniques too, just because of how important that is with food, like food habits and food routines. So we'll try and, you know, really get on a habit, like a schedule where this is especially um, important with women, you know, kids are usually on a schedule because of school, right? They, they're eating at right before school and they're eating at lunchtime and then they're eating when they come home. But with, with adults, you know, we can just kind of eat whenever a lot of the time and sometimes we don't, right? So it's kind of setting up those habitual reminders for ourselves to eat at the same time every day. So mm-hmm. you know, putting an alarm on your phone, having something that is the texture and taste that you can tolerate more, starting small, right? You don't want to start with, you know, usually you don't eat anything and you go to eating a massive bowl of something, right? Starting small, more working on the habit. And then building up from there, adding in some more foods that are tolerable. And sometimes you'll see it with temperature too. Sometimes people can't tolerate hot foods when they're on Adderall or something. So we might work with you know frozen fruit and cold, like, rather than like a hot soup or something, it's cold mm-hmm. sandwich or part of a sandwich or crackers and like meat on it, you know, things like that. So yeah, especially I think because we're using the medication to get stuff done and to work so we're using like crazy amounts of brain power it's like a double power and we know what happens when we're using our brain we really do need to kind of replenish ourselves especially you know hydrate and eat well and I've seen it you know I've seen it in myself when I've taken medication but I've also seen it in my daughter you know when she's come home from school and there's been huge problems around that where she's not eaten or drunk enough Yes, she's done brilliantly at school and done really well with her, with all her work and focused, but she's come back and she's just a mess, an yeah. absolute mess. And so I've had to put lots of things in place to make sure that she can eat something, whatever that is, just so her her mood and her emotional regulation allows us to have a conversation. Yeah. Because I've seen, you know, we've had I've had times where it's just I can't even speak to her because she's in such a bad way. Mm, yeah. And it's upsetting because, you know, some people believe that oh once we get the medication right, then everything's fine. Yeah. And it's <laughs> far it's far from like this magic pill. Mm. And again, I'm not against my medication at all because I know I, I see how good it can be when it works. One of the things that I found really helpful actually is when, and I, you've just made me realize this, is that when I have taken medication, I put like walnuts on my desk mm-hmm. and I put like a really big bottle of cold water and some other crunchy things, probably like some chopped up cucumber and carrots. And like you say, I'd probably have like some cheese and crackers and that would be it. That would be enough for lunch. Yeah. Normally that wouldn't be enough for lunch, but I think I was mind because I guess my background in in what I know about health coaching and everything, I know that that's healthy and a walnut's a good brain food and Mm -hmm. I know I need to hydrate, but I would have to probably give myself a push and nudge myself to eat that because I'm not hungry. But I know that I also have to do it because I don't want to be a mess at the end of the day. Yeah. So a lot of it is awareness, isn't it? Of just learning new habits. Yeah. And it's really, it's really quite something when you see it 
in people and especially with children, like quite young, they can recognize, you know, I'll have people say, my kid is asking for this now, like they're before they weren't eating their food at at school. And now they're asking for this certain food because I feel better when I eat this food, you know, really young children can even recognize that. You see it with um, with adults. And yeah, like you said, that was going to be another point is having food kind of out because we do kind of mindlessly graze just as people. That's what we tend to do if something's out long. And I tell people, if you want your kid to try something, just keep it out all the time. And they'll eventually, <laughs> they'll eventually be bored. What's this? And they'll eat it, right? As long as it's not something that's rotten, going to go rotten. But yeah, keeping it out like that. And sometimes having something else like podcasts are are really great for that because having something you're kind of looking forward to having lunch break with, like rather than just sitting and staring and or scrolling through your phone or something like that with the lunch, um, it's not super appealing to a lot of people. But if you have something that you're kind of planning on listening to, like a podcast or a audio book, maybe if you're into that, then you're kind of pairing that with a reward. Like I'm going to listen to my podcast, I'm going to eat my crackers and cheese and nuts and that's going to be a little break for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice idea. So what would you suggest then? Let's say people are coming off the medication that is wearing off. They're finishing work. They know either they've got kids or they haven't got kids and, and they've got an evening that they've got to get through. What food would you recommend people to? And, and again, we're mindful that there's binging. I've heard, I've heard about it. I've definitely sort of spelt the urge myself to just grab whatever there is. What, what food would you recommend people have that gives them that boost, but the energy boost, but also kind of nourishes their brain and their body if they've kind of been starved a little bit through, throughout mm-hmm. the day? Like right after work or school? Like not, not. Yeah, I guess, I guess, well, maybe dinner, but I, I think maybe once the medication's worn off yeah. and the, the hunger kicks in, what should we be going for that is going to give us all those nutrients to help us balance out the um, emotions and the mood so we can not feel that impact the the crash I guess of the medication yeah well we want to look for something that has at least some some protein or some fat in it not something that's a pure carb food so things like chips and um, crackers and things that are like really high carb foods bread um, things like that we don't want it's not that we want to avoid carbs like they're they're healthy sources of energy, but they do lead to that like high and low. They tend to spike up our blood sugar really fast. And then later, you know, an hour or two later, you're in that kind of like the staring into space zone and maybe you're angry and they call, you know, the hanger, as you call it, like you get hangry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you want to include something that's got some protein or some fat too. So things like, um, so like chocolate covered nuts is good because you're getting that sweet, like you're kind of want something sweet, but you're getting that protein inside of the nuts, things like hummus with vegetables, because that's kind of a snaggy food. You can also buy those usually pre-made, um, you know, if you're short on time, especially people who are single, who are not, you know, mm-hmm. really a lot of single people don't meal plan very well. Cause it's just them. Um, so you can buy something like that, you know, like even like, um, uh, what do you call them? Tortilla chips with guacamole or something because the guacamole has got fat and that's going to kind of slow down that carb sugar boost too. Just want to think about like pairing those higher carb snacky foods with something that's got a bit more protein in it. Even if you come home and you have like fruit, you know, chopped up fruit or something, just try and grab some nuts too, or some seeds or, 
you know, you can have like chia pudding or something with fruit and granola mm-hmm. on top. Um, even yogurt yeah. is okay. If you're not lactose intolerant, you can have yogurt, you could have a plant-based yogurt. If you, um, if you don't eat, yeah. milk, you don't drink milk. Yeah. I think it's, it's great to have that knowledge, isn't it? Of going, right. We need to pair it with the protein, the good fats and that sort of like healthy carb. Something that I always keep in the fridge is avocado, smoked mm-hmm. salmon, cottage cheese and like crackers rye crackers because I know how quickly I can make that I can make that in two minutes the smoked salmon's ready avocado just cut a bit of cottage cheese and that is the kind of the combination of the protein the fat the carb Uh, that's pretty much like a go-to lunch if I'm feeling exotic I'll chop some tomatoes (laughs) have it with some like rocket salad yeah but and, and again this is all just literally done in in seconds it's Mm -hmm. it's it's there so I think to have to find that one meal that you're happy to have quite a few times a week that you know it could be like turkey couldn't it or chicken or like poached salmon just so we we've got easy access food that is going to help us not have that crash so we can feel good for our, our family our partners our, you know that's the worst thing is I think a lot of women um there's a bit of shame around the medication because yeah for sure even if they've been really productive during the day their family and their partner only sees them at the bad time of day you know post medication so it's, it's trying to get them through that next bit and sometimes I do know that some people then take another type of medication mm-hmm. to help them sleep yeah. or to get them through the evening so there's all these different formulas that and it's confusing and it's really hard but if we have that empowerment of knowing that we, ha- we there are tweaks to our diets that we can make that will help soften some of the the rough edges of the the medication yeah. <laughs> which I think is good for people to have in their back pocket yeah I like the way you put that soften the rough edges <laughs> that's a good way of putting it yeah and then what you said like having those go-to foods so I will actually, I have a little handout I give to people, which is called, I forget what the title is, stoplight foods or something like that, where I will get people to list either for themselves or their kids, you know, as we're kind of trial and erroring different foods and snacks, they kind of will keep a list of things that they know that they will always eat. Like, you know, like you said, with the smoked salmon and the crackers, that would be one of your like green light foods. Like I know all the time to keep this in the house because no matter what, I'm going to eat it. I'm going to offer it to my kids. They're going to eat it. And then you have like yellow foods that you're, you know, maybe hoping to like more <laughs> because they're healthy, like eggs or, you know, some people don't like boiled eggs. Maybe you put them mm. on there and uh, then the red foods that aren't really working. So you can kind of have that go to when you go to go shopping, right? You've got that list. Okay. I got to buy this. It's always going to be in the fridge. It's always mm. going to be available. Yeah. It's really help. That's really helpful. Isn't it? Just because, you know, when, when the starvation and the hunger kicks in, instead of going for that binge there's empowerment there there's there's that okay I have a choice here I can raid the the crisps and the chocolates or actually in like five minutes I can make myself a pretty healthy meal um but I like the idea of the chocolate nuts as well because that's just kind of <laughs> I eat those all you know like <laughs> that yeah, would be my green light food <laughs> Hi everyone. I just wanted to say a huge thank you for your incredible support so far with the podcast. 
And I want you to know that all your messages and your reviews and emails and all the different ways you get in touch with me is so appreciated. I read every single one and I just want to thank you for contacting me and letting me know your feedback, um, letting me know what parts of the podcast you liked, what you want to hear more of. And also that I am so grateful that many of you are contacting me for coaching. I'm doing my best to help you all, but I am now on a little bit of a wait list. So I wanted to let you know about some resources I have got for you that you can use straight away. If you head to my website, coachingbykate.me.uk and go to the resources section, you will find some really effective free resources and downloads that you you know look at, read, watch straight away. One of them is the Suspect You Have ADHD download. So that is for anyone that is potentially um, curious about and whether or not this is ADHD and your next steps. So it's very, very interesting and insightful information of your next steps towards getting a diagnosis if that is something that you're looking for. I've got a well-being toolkit for ADHD women. Again, lots of great recommendations and tools for you if you want to improve your well-being and just feel a bit healthier on a day-to-day basis. And I also have a three-minute calming technique download. So again, if you need sort of things that you can just reach to straight away to help manage your emotional regulation and just feel calmer, I've got that. And I've also got some workshops that you can download and watch straight away regarding using um, EFT to help with overwhelm, potentially how it can help your ADHD symptoms, and also to help with the intensity of RSD and other ADHD symptoms. So these are all hour-long workshops that are available to you. And then I've got a brand new one that has just been put on the website. This is a pre-recorded workshop, and it's all about thriving with ADHD after your diagnosis. So this is just been put on, it's £33 and it's an hour of me giving you lots of different tools and strategies and guidance as to how you can make the best out of life once you've had your diagnosis and moving forwards more positively. So I really hope these resources um, help you and of course if you are looking for one-to-one coaching or group coaching please do just drop me a message from my website and I will be able to get back to you. Let's get back to the podcast. Okay, let's go to the other side. If people aren't medicating, they've chosen that they're just going to, you know, especially with this podcast, there's a lot of people who are listening because they want to tweak their lifestyle and their well-being so they can help their their ADHD. Um, And, you know, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, things like breath work and mindfulness, Mm -hmm. um, you know, mindset stuff, loads of different ways that we can, you know, help ourselves. What food would you say? I know this is like a huge topic, but what would you say are like the best types of food that people can have that will support their ADHD, you know, for themselves, whether it's, you know, breakfast, lunch, what, what go-tos would you recommend? Um, I don't know if there's specific foods. I mean, what you want to focus on is like getting enough protein and also like focusing on anti-inflammatory foods. So the, the things we see a lot in ADHD is more inflammation. Like you'll see research, if you look it up, research showing that there's more inflammation in bodies with ADHD. Um, and the protein, like, cause you need, cause we have low neurotransmitters, right? So you want to have the raw materials there for that. So I mean, the things that are like ideal food for us, if you were just 
like going all in 100%, I'm just going to go 100%, like it would be basically like fish, um, like good quality meat, right? Like, you know, roast beef, lamb, chicken, turkey, um, because those are all really easy to digest. That's another thing we want to address digestion, because if we have poor digestion, that leads to some feedback with our brain. Um, There's a mind-gut connection there. So we want to make sure we're not eating things that are really hard to digest. So like any kind of fish or meat is a good option, as long as you check that the, the fish is not like contaminated, you know, some fish is associated with like mercury and things like that, but it'll say on the label, usually mercury tested or something. Um, but those types of things are good. Um, like fruits and vegetables obviously are good because they're going to be, they're all, they're hydrating. They don't have tons of, of sugar. They're a whole food. They're easy to digest for the most part. There's a little, some people who can't digest fruit very well. Um, and they're anti-inflammatory, right? We know that things are anti-inflammatory, especially dark fruits like like blueberries and blackberries. Mm-hmm. Those are really associated with anti-inflammation. If you can tolerate nuts, I know a lot of people are allergic to nuts or um, certain conditions they can't have nuts, like um, it's called diverticulitis if they've got these little pockets in their intestine. Yeah. But if you can, it's a great food. Um, you know, it's got a lot of a lot of protein, a lot of fat. They're quite filling, right? It's hard to binge on a ton of nuts. Maybe peanuts you could because they're a bit more carby. But, you know, that's a food that you can really, you know, easily eat and not go completely binge crazy on. So those are good. Um, leave- I think what I mean, what you're saying here is like food diet is really important. To ADHD. So <laughs> All the things that you've just talked about here, whether ADHD or not, you know, it's it's anti. We need anti-inflammatory. Yeah. We need healthy, um, you know, protein. We need lots of fruit and vegetables. But I, the way I look at it, and again, I'm not sort of like a science brain, but I see it is that we are more sensitive to lots of different things, and so we have to look after ourselves more. And that was one of the things way before I was diagnosed with ADHD is that I just knew. I was just more, you know, sensitive. I was more intolerant to certain things. I felt stressed more. I, I, I just knew like sleep didn't come as easily. So lo- I was constantly tweaking my lifestyle because I was just sensitive. I was one of those people that could never just fall asleep, you know, in some mm. random person's house if I didn't have like my back. <laughs> yeah. You know, it'd be like, oh my God, you know, and I knew that, you know, I grew up with IBS. So for mm, me, me digestive yeah. <laughs> yeah, gut problems were a big thing. You know, when you're talking about, um, you know, anti-inflammatory stuff, you know, the amount of people I know that have ADHD and have, um, you know, autoimmune issues have got, you know, fibromyalgia, CFS. I think people need to be aware that we have very sensitive yeah, guts, body. nervous <laughs> systems, bodies, brains. So as long as we look after ourselves, it's when we unfortunately go down either the binge binge route or addiction um, mm. if we aren't looking after ourselves, we're not sleeping well enough. We aren't, we're eating too much sugar, which is, a, uh, you know, in, in, it's an inflammatory. So when we have that awareness, that actually we, if we look after ourselves and, and nurture ourselves and nourish ourselves a bit more, 
lots of different symptoms that we feel with the ADHD mm-hmm. they do lessen I I, yeah. I can say that hand on heart that I I notice that a lot absolutely absolutely you'll see like all of these studies you could look up almost like ADHD and any any disorder and it's like almost anything it's higher in the ADHD community like there's all these deficiencies. I'm doing a, a talk about this later this week, like all the deficiencies that are much higher, like um, iron and omegas and all the B vitamins, zinc, magnesium, like all these things that are like significantly higher in our population. IBS symptoms are higher. Chronic constipation is higher. Celiac disease is way higher. It's something like 15 times higher in the ADHD. Um, and yeah, autoimmune um, issues as well. Um, so yeah, it really is just a matter of like our bodies, for some reason, they're just more reactive, right? They're more sensitive. Body and brain is more sensitive to to everything and probably to the environment too, right? They'll do tests of um, contamination, like, um, you know, the hair metal. I don't know how reliable those are, but, you know, you'll see it's higher, right? Um, ADHD and autism is related to higher levels of heavy metals in, the, in our body and all these, all these things that we can improve and those things like you said more to your point like the ibs that's going to make adhd worse because who's not going to feel worse when they're gassy and when they or if they haven't gone to the bathroom in three days or if they haven't stopped going to the bathroom for three days <laughs> like it impacts your mood 100 which impacts your focus which impacts your sleep which impacts everything right so it's just it's so so many things are all integrated and yeah so tell me tell me a little bit about um the deficiencies Mm -hmm. and so people are aware of what deficiencies potentially we we could have and then what we can do to help ourselves with supplements because i think this is a really big topic that if we've got access to supplements and thankfully now we do i take a lot of supplements and i and again (laughs) i don't know if it's psychosomatic but if i've not taken it for a day or two i've forgotten or i've slept out and I've, i've forgotten them then I do, I can feel the anxiety more. I think my sleep's affected, my focus, my emotional regulation. I'm very, I'm much more sensitive to when I don't take it. But when I do take all my supplements, I've curated my little kind of formula <laughs> and I feel like I'm, I'm good, like I'm okay during the day, actually. So tell me a little bit about what those deficiencies could be. Right, yeah, so the, the number, like, two biggest ones that I would say like most people should be using, even if they like, they just should be using is um, the omega threes, the fish oil supplements and vitamin D, especially if like, like you and I, we live in, you know, tropical areas. It's not easy to get your vitamin D during the winter. Like here, you know, to get enough vitamin D, you need to be, they say like out, in the sunshine with your arms and your neck exposed for 20 minutes a day. Well, you can't do that in Canada in February when it's minus 25 degrees outside. So, you know, it's, it's almost impossible to, to get it naturally um, from the sun. And that's pretty much the only way you can get enough. Uh, So definitely supplementing with vitamin D and we see huge, like way more vitamin D deficiency with ADHD with other diseases as well, like MS, but particularly with uh, with ADHD. So that's something that you can look at getting. You should, it's like 500 um, IUs, it's called international units a day. Mm-hmm. And the D3 is the vitamin D that you want to look at. So you'll see in the drugstore or various other grocery stores, whatever, they'll have different types of vitamin, but you want to go for the D3 um, 
it's yeah. a little more expensive, but it's, it actually works. It's the part that our body uses, the type that our body uses, I should say. So, and going along with that is the omega-3 fatty acids. So I would say like probably most people in the West have, are not getting enough of those just because we don't eat a ton of seafood here, right? Like it's, it's just not part of our culture, at least not here in North America. And you have to eat like two servings a decent serving of fatty fish a week to get enough omega-3s. And even still, I don't know if that would be enough because who knows how well we absorb it depending on your digestion and what else you're eating and everything else like that. So um, that's another thing that I pretty much almost always recommend unless someone's allergic to fish or unless someone's got um, like a hemophilia or blood thinning disease or something like that, then you can't take it. But for most of the population, you can take omega-3s and that helps with uh, focus a lot. So yeah, the main one that you'll see even medical doctors recommending for ADHD is the omega-3. And sometimes, I don't know how it works in Europe, but I know in Canada and the US, sometimes doctors will actually, or naturopath doctors as well, will recommend or will prescribe rather um, like very high doses of omega-3 that, you know, people like me and the regular health food store can't, uh, can't recommend and can't sell, right? They'll, it's like a therapeutic dose. But for, for just going out and buying it, you just want to make sure that you're getting, a, uh, sorry, 1,000 milligrams of omega-3 um, per day. So sometimes that would be, you know, two servings a day. You can look for one that's got it all in one spoonful because it's easier to remember to take. But yeah, those are pretty pretty much required for almost everybody. And that will have a big impact on for a lot of people. Again, not for everybody because it's such a complicated condition, right? Like we don't know what's going on structurally in the brain, if there was like toxin exposure prenatally or whatever. Um, But for most people, you'll see an impact on your focus and concentration with a good omega-3 supplement. So I just tell people, yeah, look for a thousand milligrams, look for more EPA if you can. Mm -hmm. It's harder to find. I also take flaxseed oil. Okay. And I wondered if that is just as good as the um, fish oil what would you say? No. So it's, it's really hard with, with vegans and vegetarians to get enough because there are plant-based omegas like flax and chia and walnuts and what am I forgetting? Hemp, but, um, your body has to convert it. So you're, it's a certain type of omega-3 and your body has to convert it into the other type to use it. And it doesn't do it very well. (laughs) Our bodies don't do it very well. So depending on the book or the study you look at, it's something like, you know, 10% of what you actually ingest gets turned into the usable form Mm. of that fatty acid. So you'd have to be taking like massive, massive amounts of, of flax or of chia, walnuts, things like that. It helps. I mean, for sure. Like, and those are healthy foods anyway, right. To take their anti-inflammatory and their, um, they're healthy fats see what you mentioned before you said like sometimes obviously with gut issues and there can be sort of chronic constipation yeah you know that is something i i took flaxseed oil i've been taking it for over 15 years mm. way before again way before any <laughs> knowledge of adhd purely because it was something that stopped me from being constipated and that's yeah. just one of those things and i'm now regular but i noticed that if you don't take if I take don't take it then you know I'm not and then that has an impact on my mood and feeling sluggish and low in energy and my focus 
So it's interesting the knock-on effect that it can have. Just something simply just to sort of keep you regular can have, you know, on on just your lifestyle. Um, and I didn't know there was a there was a connection between constipation and ADHD. Actually, yeah, yeah. The chronic chronic constipation is is much more. Um, I forget how much I can't. I think it's you know you know three percent of regular population versus ten percent or something like that have it. But yeah, with the flex. That's a good idea for taking it for regularity. Like it's not a harmful thing. I wouldn't mm-hmm. ever not recommend someone taking it unless they were allergic or unless a doctor had told them for some reason not to. But yeah, anything like uh, flax seed or chia seeds as well are really good for constipation. So, um, you know, like that chia pudding you can make, it's just milk and chia and you mm-hmm. let it sit overnight. Um, that can also be good for regularity too. So I'm not surprised. <laughs> what would you say about magnesium? Because I know there's we have a deficiency in magnesium and it can really help with sleep and our nervous system and, and feeling calmer. Would that be something that you'd recommend people to take? Sometimes I do. Most, yeah, there is, just because of our soil being not as enriched as it once was, we do tend to see a lot of magnesium deficiencies. They're not massive. Um, some people you know, some people will go and take like massive, massive amounts of magnesium. And I really recommend that because it can cause some loose bowel movements if you go overboard, as well as vitamin C. If you take massive amounts of it, you could end up in the bathroom all day. Um, But yeah, you can definitely take, and there's brands that are kind of formulated for for more mental health, I would say. Like Mm -hmm. there's one called Calm over here. You probably have something similar there as well. Uh, usually they're using, it's called, um, like the, the form is called magnesium bisglycinate, which is like mm-hmm. the active, the better form. Um, yeah, definitely that's one of the big deficiencies we see as well. And it also impacts sleep and it can give you like restless leg syndrome if you don't have enough magnesium. So that could be waking you up or impacting the quality of your sleep as well. So for sure. Okay. Yeah, that's that's definitely part of my repertoire. And then something that's new that I hadn't known about up until probably a year ago was L-theanine, oh, which yeah, is found yeah. in tea. Green tea. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And I, I wondered if you knew anything about that. And a lot of people seem to be recommending it for ADHD. Yeah. I mean, it's not in my usual recommendations, but yeah, if people want to try it it's like a it's like the anti-inflammatory um component that you find in green tea is kind of the reason that green tea is a is a health food food drink whatever you want to call it yeah definitely it can have a calming effect on people i know people who have used it who've got good results with it i would say just for something like that just make sure you go to a health food store and make sure that you're getting one with a good amount of l-theanine in it sometimes you'll see Mm -hmm. when these trendier kind of supplements come out you'll see like contains healthy or contains whatever if you actually look at it it's not a huge amount so you're kind of getting scammed and then the last thing I wanted to ask was about b vitamins because yes, yeah, yeah that, I feel that that's quite a big thing um so again it's part of my sort of supplements but I also because I've I'd known that we are deficient in b vitamins so mm-hmm. what do b vitamins do and um, I guess, why we deficient and if we supplement with them, what are we going to achieve? Right. Yeah. So they're all kind of used for nervous system function. So basically 
you'll see like any of the B vitamin deficiencies and there's uh, like there's B1, B2, B3, B5, there's B6, folate or B9 and B12. So uh, there's a handful of them there and they're all kind of used for nervous system function as well as other things like detoxification, which is also linked, you know, impaired detox is linked with ADHD too. So, but any B vitamin deficiency is going to cause whatever the the disease that it causes is is a neurological disease. So we know that like if we don't have enough of any of the B vitamins, it affects our nervous system, either our brain or our actual nerves. Like it might cause tingling or itching or something like that, or both. So why we're deficient probably has something to do with like digestion, depleted soil, um, because they're in plants, like B vitamins are in all almost every plant food. Um, and yeah, it could just be like digestive issues if you're not absorbing it right. Another thing you see in ADHD, so this is kind of a, what do you call it? A myth. I'm <laughs> saying that ADHD is associated with poor methylation. I don't know if you've heard of that gene, the, the MTHFR gene. Like it's a, a genetic mutation that a lot of people have that makes, um, makes it harder for them to process B vitamins essentially. So there's kind of a myth that it's, you know, really linked to ADHD, but it's, it's actually quite common in everybody, regardless of if they have ADHD or not, like quite a few, I think it's like 15, 20% of the population has it. So what it means is you need to look for vitamins that are methylated. So when you're looking at um, like the B9, it'll be folate or it'll be, um, I'm going to, give you a big name say methyl tetrahydrofolate <laughs> it'll have the word methyl in it somewhere yeah. or it'll be folate um like save yourself the time of reading labels though just go to a health if you go to a health food store and you ask for something with methylated b vitamins they mm -hmm. should you know if they're qualified to work there they should know which supplements to point you towards so that's something you want to look at so yeah you'll see you know, decrease our low levels of B vitamin associated a lot with um, anxiety. So that's kind of the, the effect you expect to see if you're taking B vitamins, um, you would expect to see if they're working. And if, if that was, you know, something that was causing you an issue, if you, if you supplemented with a good quality one, you'd expect to see a decrease in anxiety, like that jittery kind of yeah, jumpy kind of behavior. It's like mm -hmm. it has a calming effect They're They're called like the calming vitamins. And you can take yeah. quite high doses of B vitamins. Honestly, you'll see some B complexes that have like, you know, 10, 10 times or hundreds of times them. <laughs> I take one that has like 400 times the amount of, of B2 and 500 times the recommended amount of, of B6 and things like that um, because they're water soluble. So they're kind of just, they, they don't build up in your body um, the way that things like iron can build up in your liver and be cause health issues, but B vitamins, you can see, if you look at B complex, they have quite a, quite high amounts of the B vitamins in them. Okay. No, that's, it's really interesting that because I definitely, when I started taking the, the B vitamins, that was, for me, that was a game changer. Uh, it's true. And so it's just important to take those in the morning because your body uses B vitamins really, really quickly. So if you take it at night, like by morning, 
it's it's gone you're just gonna pee it all out in the morning <laughs> so yeah. that's a vitamin where most of the time I kind of tell people oh, it doesn't really matter like there's there's kind of optimal times to take them but it doesn't really matter but for B vitamins definitely it's a morning vitamin you want to take and even like twice a day sometimes people will you know take it at 8 a.m and then take it again at 2 p.m or something yeah yeah, I, that's funny because I've done that a few times where I've forgotten to take it. And I've taken it in the evening mm. and then I spend like, you know, I get up twice in the night to to pee because <laughs> yeah. it's like my body trying to, and I'm just like, oh, I've just had the worst night's sleep. And that's just, you yeah. know, so I have been more mindful of that. But would you say also, if we are using the omega-3, um, the fish oils, does it make a difference if we take that in the morning or the evening, if we're using that for kind of like focus or or anything? I don't think so. I don't, some people have an opinion on it. I've heard both. I've heard some people say, you know, better to take it at night and some, you know, natural path saying, no, take it in the evening. Um, I don't usually have a recommendation either way. Whenever you can get it in is, is good. Also, the one thing to keep in mind with, with the omega-3 is they are often combined with vitamin D. So quite often you'll see fish oil and it has also vitamin D. So like a two in one vitamin, right? This is like all your omegas and it's got vitamin D. So vitamin D is fat soluble. So you want to take it with fat. I mean, it's in fat with the omega-3. So it's kind of already there, but maybe to like optimize how it's absorbed, you may want to have it with food because almost every food has some fat in it. So, you know, if you take it in the morning, then odds are you're going to be taking it with with food, you know, like milk or something that has fat in it or an egg has fat in it. So that's the one. Okay. And then lastly, I wanted to ask you about probiotics because what we mentioned about gut issues, we know that the gut is the second brain. Very often, if we look after our gut well, our mental health feels better, anxiety and stuff. So Again, and I'm putting it out there, I take probiotics. So, and, and that's one of the things that I don't want to miss out on is my probiotics. Would you recommend this as well? Yeah, definitely. I kind of have like the three things I recommend to almost everybody is a multi. If it's a, if it's a child, I don't like to get into too much complicated vitamins. Um, but even for a woman that has no diagnosed deficiencies, I'd say like a, a multi and a fish oil and probiotics. I almost always recommend probiotics because like we just don't eat enough probiotic food. It's it's not normal for us to be eating like sauerkraut that's naturally fermented and kimchi and you know naturally fermented yogurt and kefir. I mean some people do, but it's pretty unusual to have someone eating a bunch of fermented food all day. So it's quite um difficult to get those in. And also we eat so much like sugary, carby, flour-based foods that feeds those unhealthy bacteria. So I should say, just in case your your listeners here, like, so probiotics are the healthy bacteria that live in our gut and we want to make sure we have enough and they're not kind of choked out by the bad bacteria. So when you eat sugary, carby things that will um, feed all the bad bacteria in your gut and all, and the yeast, right? You'll hear about people with chronic candida and they get yeast infections and skin conditions and things like that. Um, so sugar and car and carby foods like that are going to feed the yeast and kind of choke out the good bacteria. So we're usually not getting enough probiotics in our food. And we're usually eating a bunch of other stuff that's feeding the bad stuff that's killing the probiotics. So almost always like for people to take that is beneficial because it helps a lot with regularity. That's another thing, like aside from flax, it's like 
super, super regulating for a lot of people. Um, I have quite, quite a few clients who were on, you know, Miralax. Do you have that in, in the UK? Do you have, it's like, a, I know what it is. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they're on that for, you know, months or years. And then they just start taking probiotics and a week later, they're just never constipated again. <laughs> it was unfortunate. It's something that's, you know, another tool in our toolbox. And it does make a massive impact on a lot of people's digestion. Not everybody's, right? Not a lot of people, you know, they'll say, oh, it doesn't really have an impact on me. But for quite quite a few, that's definitely the majority of people will see an impact within a couple of months, if not sooner, when they're taking a good, a good probiotic. But again, the issue is when it's trendy, I don't know probiotics, if they're still trendy, they've been around a while now, but they you know, you'll have everything on earth saying contains probiotics, contains probiotics, mm. and there's a multivitamin with probiotics, but you really want to get a separate probiotic. And you really want one that's like in a health food store with a lot of, pro- <laughs> a lot of amount of probiotics. They're measured in um, the units called CFU. And you want to have like 10 billion of those um, in it. So sometimes you'll go into a drugstore or something and you'll see a multi with probiotics it's got like a, a million probiotics or something, which sounds like a lot, but you want like 10 billion or more mm-hmm. a day and you want multiple types of bacteria. So sometimes you'll see, you know, 10 billion of the, the bifidum bacteria, but you want to have like at least two, preferably like three or four or five different strains of bacteria. Um, just better to have more diverse flora in your in your gut just because if mm-hmm. wiped out the other ones are still there you know so yeah definitely one of the go-tos that you want they can get a little pricey i'll admit like probiotics for a good quality one you know like 30 40 bucks a month um you pay a lot of money for all of these vitamins and all the supplements mm-hmm. and that's it just feel kind of like oh my goodness like it's just another adhd tax that we've got yeah, to pay yeah exactly yeah but I would say, you know, I wanted to do this episode because I know what a big impact my supplements have on me and how I feel and how I, um, you know, I'm productive during the day, you know, obviously like it, it, you know, flows up and down throughout the month, you know, with hormones and stuff. But I know that I have this kind of like foundation of my supplements that really do help me. And I'm, you know, I've noticed with my anxiety, I've definitely noticed, yeah. you know, alongside lots of other things, you know, like exercise and, and good yeah, food yeah. and <clears throat> meditation and stuff. But I think it's important that people know that they have got these options. And some things, you know, if you, if you're kind of like, oh, I've always been regular and they might not kind of like have any gut issues, but maybe anxiety has been something that's been really prevalent. So I think it's just been really good to highlight those key supplements i know there's more supplements out there (laughs) there's always more yeah exactly Mm -hmm. we can take huge amounts but i think to have that kind of almost the foundational blocks to take and then see if that makes a difference um to how we feel on a daily i think that's what it is is we want to feel great or, or good every day without it being like huge ups and downs we just want to feel balanced yeah, and it can be also just you're you're saying like sometimes people say I've never had digestive issues. I've always been regular. Sometimes people don't really even see their digestive issues until they fix them. Like I had that issue when I started really taking care of myself, and I was kind of like, oh yeah, I'm fine. I haven't had IBS in a while. But then once I got better, 
I started taking things like probiotics. I stopped eating, you know, sugar and dairy and things that were making me react. And my stomach went like, like it just deflated. And I was like, oh my God, like I didn't realize I had been chronically bloated for like 10 years. <laughs> and I wouldn't have, I didn't really, you know, on days when I was having good days, I, I wasn't really optimal, right? I was still bloated. I was still like puffed out. And then once I fixed it, I realized, oh my goodness, like I have been having symptoms without knowing. And you see that sometimes with people and you see it quite a bit with kids with kids if they they don't say that they're having tummy aches or whatever um and then you do a little investigating and you find out they're like really constipated or they've they do have a pain that they didn't realize was because it was lower it wasn't called a tummy ache right because they think their tummy is kind of up here whereas you know if they have a pain down lower it's it's not really recognized so it's always good to do a little more investigating it's so interesting definitely it would be interesting to talk about the kids as well, but I feel like I wanted to kind of just investigate a little bit further for yeah. for the adults for this episode. I think it's been really helpful, Shauna, and, and just know that hopefully anyone that's listening can just sort of pick out you know a couple of things. It's not here to overwhelm anyone. You don't have to completely overhaul everything and spend like hundreds of dollars or pounds on, on supplements. It's just you know, another thing to be aware of, of how you can help yourself with medication or, or without medication. So yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank You're you for welcome. your knowledge. Um, tell people how they can find you, how they can maybe work with you. What What's the best way of getting in touch? Yeah, um, I'm most active on Instagram. So if they're on Instagram, they can find me. It's just at Shauna Hughes Nutrition. Um, Shauna spelled with a W S H A W N A Hughes nutrition. And the website is the same. It's just Shauna Hughes So you can follow me on Instagram. You can talk to me on Instagram. If you want to work with Great. me, you can book something with me on the website. Brilliant. Oh, well, thank you, Shauna. Really appreciate it. And I'll make sure all those details are on the show notes. Great. Thanks for having me. Kate. So that's today's episode done. Did what we talk about resonate with you? I really hope you found some takeaways that may inspire you to make some small changes that enhance your daily life. And if you did find this episode insightful, please do consider sharing it. Knowledge and awareness is power, especially with ADHD. You can also head over to the show's Instagram page, which is ADHD Women's Wellbeing Pod, and join the community that's waiting for you there. And if this episode really did strike a chord, please do consider leaving us a review to enable more people who need to hear these conversations find the show. Thanks so much for joining me today and see you next time.